0: Good morning, church family. Church family at Fisherville. We would say, Dumelan Bazawani or Baholo, the elders. Good morning to the, the born-again people. And I would begin every service by saying, Que ali du moleine le jesu qua Nazareth. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I don't know, in Africa, in the places I've been... They emphasize Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man part of God, knowing the deity, but also I think identifying with the man Jesus, the man Jesus from Nazareth. I would also greet the pastor, Maruti. Any other pastors, Baruti here? The deacons, I don't think they have a word for deacons, so the deacons, plural. Uh, The elders or the older people, baholo the young people, the bacha, and then the children, the bana. So I greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Amen. My family uh, are are blessed to be here. We've been uh, fortunate last night to have a reunion with some of the folks who have been to South Africa on 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 the teams, on the ministry teams, to see their faces and to renew their acquaintance and just to update them a little bit about what's been going on. The church that, that you are partnering with is about two hours away from me, and that's one of the reasons that, that I wanted a partner, because I can't get there very often. And the church there is, uh has a vision uh, for growing and for uh, discipling and reaching out into their community. And Fisherville has come alongside several times now, uh, working with this church called... Late or Lake Labili Baptist Church. I believe it means something to do with sunrise. Uh, and I think it's one of those double meanings. The sun is risen, but also the sun the physical sunrise of the church. I just want to tell you a few moments how much this means to, to missionaries. <laughs> this is our lifeline, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now, this morning, you know, we're the outsiders here, so you were singing the song, and I heard the instructions. But if you heard a few people sing that last word, it was my family. <laughs> <laughs> it was me and my family. We were the ones. Uh, but you're, you're almost there. And I, I would encourage you not just to meet that goal, but to, to blow it away for the glory of God. Amen. This is our lifeline. It's... Um, it's how we're able to do our work there, and we're thankful to Southern Baptists and we're thankful to local churches uh, like you that make that possible. Uh, it provides a vehicle. It provides schooling fees. It provides medical care um, and so much more. It provides a house for us to live in. Um, it provides the opportunity for us to come back to the U.S. About every two years, two to three years, uh, we, we get a furlough. This year, we're on a very short furlough. Uh, my wife and children are actually about six to seven weeks so that they can get back for the next school year to start, January the 15th. They're leaving the 16th. They're going to miss a few days. Uh, but it pays for us to be able to do that. Some of the things you know about missionaries, but some of the things maybe you, you don't realize, but you know we have families back here that we don't get to see. Um, I have a 93-year-old father and an 88-year-old mother in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, it's difficult to be in South Africa knowing uh, that their health is deteriorating. Um, I don't say that to brag or to say, God has called me, and until God releases me to come home and be with my parents, uh, I have an obedience to the Lord. I also have a married daughter, uh, two years now she 's been married and living in Jackson, Tennessee. She went to Union University, met a young man there, but in two thousand and nine we came back and uh, did all the things that you do we We helped her get her driver 's license um, uh, She got her first job at the y m c a being a lifeguard uh, we took her to took her to school, and then we were around for a short time while she adjusted and then we left her we left her in the lord's hands we left her with a campus uh, that also is a campus that uh, seeks after the glory of God and makes special attention for missionary kids because uh, they don't really have a home. (laughs) Uh, When school closes, where do they go? Now, sometimes they have relatives, but sometimes um, their family is the mission family or others who have come. That's just a little glimpse into our our lives. Um, so we'll have some goodbyes. We've just said hello. We arrived on the 29th of November. And on the 16th of January, we'll be saying goodbye for probably another two years, um, unless the Lord has other plans for us. Uh, so this means so much to see your church actively participating in Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It used to pay about 50% of the budget for the International Mission Board. I believe that figure is almost up to close to 60%. So it's very, very important to the lifeline. And you support close to 5,000 missionaries uh, worldwide through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So I say that to the glory of God, uh, not to boast, but Southern Baptists have been blessed and have an opportunity and a responsibility uh, that God has given. And... uh, We appreciate that that you're a part of that. This morning, John Bevel contacted me about two weeks ago and asked me what the sermon title was. And I'm not used to doing sermon titles. In fact, I'm a little nervous this morning. Y'all talk like me, but you don't look like the people that I preach to each week. You know, it's a little confusing up here, Um, but he asked me for a sermon title, and I came up with this, after these things, some details regarding God's mission. As I reflected on it this morning, I'm already changing things. Uh, Call it some principles or some characteristics regarding God's mission. I can't share all of (laughs) the characteristics of God's mission this morning. But I want to share a few and I want us to look at the gospel of Luke chapter 10 as our scripture reading this morning. Luke chapter 10. I see that it's on page 868. Is that the pew Bible? Do you show the scripture? No. Okay. Good. Then I'm going to read. After these things. The Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag." Knapsack, sandals, and greet no one along the road. "'But whatever house you enter, first say, "'Peace to this house. "'If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. "'If not, it will return to you. "'And remain in the same house, "'eating and drinking such things as they give, "'for the laborer is worthy of his wages. "'Do not go from house to house.' Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. I think I left one verse off. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I've preached it uh, many times. I've taught about it. Uh, This morning I'm I'm adding a little uh, something new as many of you know, David Platt is our new president of the International Mission Board, a young man. I believe he's 36 years old. Usually we get an old guy, <laughs> and I'm starting to be kind of one of those old guys. Uh, but it's, it's, it's bringing a, a new breath of fresh air, I believe, into our uh, International Mission Board, into Southern Baptist life, to see this young man take up a very difficult role of leading Southern Baptists and leading, as I said, about 5,000 missionaries worldwide. I would ask you to pray for David Platt and his family as they take up that role. They've been in it now about, I'd say, about four months, three months. Uh, and he's been very wise to say that he's just beginning to, to listen and, and learn because he has a lot to learn. That's, a, that's the right approach, and he's winning over people every day. So I listened to David Platt in September. He came to a conference that I attended, and I got to hear him preach about four times as he was being introduced to the leadership uh, of of the IMB out in the world. We were in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So I'm sharing a few of his thoughts mixed in with, with mine this morning, but I wanted to give him credit. And I'll also be referring to another uh, missionary that, you may or may not know, um, he uses a title, Nick Ripkin, and he's written a book, and I've forgotten the name right now. What is the name of the book? Insanity of God. And uh, he uses that name um, as, a, as a pseudonym to, to hide his identity, because he has ministered in a difficult place. So I've titled the sermon this morning, After These Things, first of all. That's how the Scripture began, after these things. I know it's probably some kind of a literary device, but I feel like it's important to look at a little bit of what comes before this. When you say, after these things, this morning in our Sunday school class, we heard that word, therefore. And when that therefore, there's a, there's a transition. Well, here, after these things means some important things have just uh, come before. So I'm going to do... It's not storying, but I'm going to quickly go through the high points of chapter 9 so that you know at least some of the things that came before this. In chapter 9, Jesus sent out the 12. It's kind of like the first mission trip. They had been with him. Uh, they had learned. Sometimes he had allowed them to uh, participate with him, watch him doing ministry. And now it's time to, to, to let them go on their own. And he doesn't go with them. He sends them out. I think one of the other gospels says he gave them the instruction just to go to the lost sheep of Israel. So it's the first mission trip. And they're to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick, including the demon-possessed. When they returned, Jesus, he wanted to take them aside and debrief them. This is what we do with our mission teams. After ministering, we want to come aside and say, well, what... What did we learn? Uh, What did we do well? What did we not do so well? Jesus wants to take the the disciples aside and have private time with them. But as they come back from their mission trip, the crowds are waiting. The crowds are waiting. And Jesus has compassion on the crowd and 5,000 are fed. Jesus manages somehow to have a time of prayer and the disciples come to Jesus. You know, you don't find the disciples praying with Jesus very much. Even later on when they go with Jesus to pray, what happens? They go to sleep. Uh, Here they, they go to Jesus and they find him praying. And Jesus asked them an important question. Who do the crowds say that I am? Who do all those people say that I am? And they gave him some answers. Some of the rumors that were going around about who Jesus was. And then he asked them a very important question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter being that one who speaks for the disciples so many times. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Says you are the Christ. The Christ of God. And he warned them. All of them to tell no one his identity. Saying the son of man must suffer and be rejected by those in authority and be killed. Then raised the third day. Um, In our Sunday school lesson this morning again we were reminded that we don't get it sometimes. The disciples didn't get it and we don't get it sometimes. But Jesus said it and he said This in conjunction, if anyone wants to follow me, let him take up his cross daily and come after me. Eight days later, he took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And after they slept a little while, they woke up to see his glory revealed. They saw Jesus uh, for, for all of his glory. The glory that he had with the Father before he came to the earth. In that man, Jesus, for a moment it was somehow taken away and they were able to see the glory that resided in Jesus. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a crowd met them. (laughs) You know, I can just see them coming around or coming through the little pass and they're, they're just chatting and having a good time and enjoying fellowship and all of a sudden there's a bunch of people again. There's a bunch of people. And a father speaks up and he says, My son is ill. And he lets Jesus know, Your disciples that, that stayed down here couldn't heal him. Um, they couldn't do the job. So now, we're, we're desperate. We're looking, we're looking to you. And Jesus takes the young man and heals him. And the Bible says, He gave him back to his father. Gave him back. And the people were excited. All were amazed, it says, at the majesty of God that day. And while they praised God, <laughs> Jesus had a moment with the disciples. <laughs> he finally got that little, uh, little time. He told his disciples a second time and he gave them the news they didn't want to hear. And it's the second time in chapter 9 The Son of Man is about to be betrayed. You know, been up there, the glory, now seen a miracle, a son given back to his father. Guys, come over here. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. And they did not understand and were afraid to ask him. So as good Christians uh, or immature Christians often do, they began to quarrel among themselves. Instead of asking Jesus what he meant, they took up a new topic. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus heard them, and he set a child among them and taught them about greatness in the kingdom of God. John changes the subject, and he says, Jesus, we've seen some people using your name to cast out demons. Should we stop them? We told them not to do it. And Jesus said, no. And the mood changes as the verses tell us that he set his face toward Jerusalem. He's going to meet the death that he's told them about. He sent messengers now before him. And they went into a Samaritan village and asked for permission to come into that village on their way to be, I guess, received as, as travelers, to be hosted, to even do some teaching, I believe it tells us. And the Samaritans said, if you'll stay a while, if you'll, if you'll commit to being with us, we'll receive you. But if you're just passing through... And they rejected Jesus. The mood has changed. The crowd... The Samaritans here, it's beginning to change. And we hear Jesus once again, at the end of chapter 9, say these words. It happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But that one said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to them, "Said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things. I believe all of those things in chapter 9 were important to understand. You've got the deity of Christ. You've got the power of God to, to heal. You've got the power of God uh, to feed the multitude. And you've got Jesus speaking his purpose to those closest to him. And they not understanding. And the command to take up our cross and follow after him. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to come. 70. Some of your Bibles may say 72. I'm not going to go into all of that. A bunch of people that are unnamed went out... Appointed by Jesus. We don't know who they were. They were sent out two by two to go to all the villages and towns where Jesus was about to pass through. I don't know for how long. I just know that somehow ordinary people, and this is true throughout the biblical record and through Christian history, ordinary people spread the kingdom of God, they spread the gospel. There's plenty of unnamed people all through the biblical drama. Ordinary people, willing to go wherever Jesus sends them, prepared to go. I don't think they just showed up. I don't think Jesus said, "Okay, uh, I need 70 guys," and got volunt- somehow these were related. They they understood, and they were willing to go where Jesus told them to go. They were prepared to go, and then they went. Don't ever take that for granted. We can ask all the time are you willing to go wherever Jesus sends? It may be overseas to Africa. It may be sometimes the hardest place to go is to a relative, uh, a friend. Are you willing to go? Are you prepared to go? (laughs) And the kicker is did you go? They went. Acts 1.8 tells us that when ordinary people receive extraordinary power, the power of the Holy Spirit, He will make us His witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ordinary people spread God's kingdom, but they're empowered with extraordinary power by God. But... They get the power as they're going. They get the power as they're proclaiming. They get the power as they're doing the things that Jesus told them to do. Do you believe this? Are you willing to act on it in faith? Will you go? Where does Jesus want to send you? Ordinary people spread God's kingdom. Verse 2. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Point number 2 is ordinary people pray for the spread of God's kingdom. It's in foundational to what we teach. I, I... I love to hear that you're praying for for me and my family. I love to hear that you're praying for the missionaries. I'm even more excited, and we talked about this last night, when you're praying for Pastor Titus and for Laetabili Baptist Church and for the members of that church and for the community uh, that that little church rests in. Praying spreads the kingdom of God and it will be powerful and it will be felt in South Africa it's not limited uh, in any way verse 2 it used to be confusing to me and to be honest that was for I don't know for I'm 52 probably for 49 years I really didn't understand verse 2 and I pride myself on saying that I they called me at private school. I went to a, a Baptist Christian school growing up, and they called me plowboy. <laughs> so I'm a little bit, you know, we had, we had five cows and, uh, other t- and maybe a horse here and there. But my kid, kids I went to school with were from the suburbs, but I was plowboy. I think I had five, six acres where we, where we grew up. I thought I understood farming terms, and Jesus uses them, Paul uses farming terms. But when I read this verse, I always had the picture I always had the picture that we get together and have a prayer meeting, and we pray for God to send laborers into the harvest. We pray for missionaries, and that 's probably true. We pray for pastors um, we pray usually for Uh, what do I want to say, qualified or professional or educated or, you know, folks that have dedicated their lives to seminary. We pray for those people to go into the harvest. I think we should pray for, for those people. But as I look at this, Jesus had a different picture in mind. It's harvest time. I don't know what you if people still plant around Fisherville but I know they probably bale hay and when you when you bale hay and once it's out there you've got to get it in before it rains and you know if you, if sometimes if you're wise you you bale enough to to get in you don't bale it all at once because you might risk losing some the picture Jesus paints is a harvest time with laborers when it's harvest time you can't delay The work has to get done immediately or you risk losing the crop. If it's a plentiful harvest, everyone gets to work and they work long hours until it's done. And if it's a wise farmer, he hires some extra people to come help. If it's a plentiful harvest, he doesn't want to lose it. He's going to get some extra people. In fact, there's another parable somewhere else that talks about that. Wherever he can find it. He may get other farmers to help him. But verse 3 kind of answers the question, what is Jesus talking about? And he says, go your way. The way I now interpret these verses is, harvest is plentiful, plentiful. It belongs to the Lord. It's God's harvest. You get to work. And while you're working in that harvest, pray for others to come and help you. Pray for others to join. Um, here in fisherville pray for others to join you in the greater community pray for others to join you i think you do things statewide disaster relief pray for others to join you um whatever it is that you're doing for the we heard it <laughs> basketball Carrie, pray for others to join you man uh, pray for others to join carrie Pray for others to go to Utah. Pray for others to come to South Africa or wherever God is calling you to send people. Go your way. You do it. Get to work and pray for others as you're going. That's how I now understand it, Pastor. I don't know. That's not, a, that's not an exegesis all planned out, but that's how I understand that verse. And then it gets interesting. Ordinary people willing to suffer spread God's kingdom. You might say willing to sacrifice, willing to suffer. Ordinary people, we've said it, they spread God's, people, uh, God's kingdom, they pray for the spread of the kingdom, and they're willing to suffer in some way uh, for the spread of God's kingdom. I think American believers sometimes... Um, are a little uncomfortable with this statement. Jesus says in verse 3, I send you out as lambs among wolves. That's not what you all want to hear when you're getting a mission team to come to South Africa, is it? Usually the question is, is it safe? Is it safe? heard this morning about someone, a young person in a car accident. Is it safe to give your child a, a driver's license? Can you say... And I'm going to protect them. They're they're in God's hands. When you send out a team. And Jesus says, kind of scarily, um, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. No, no natural protection, a lamb among the wolves, unless there's a shepherd around. But here it doesn't talk about a shepherd, it just says lambs among wolves. God uses suffering to spread the gospel. He always has. And I don't think we should think he's going to do something different. He does not just allow people to suffer. He ordains it at times. That's a hard concept for all of us uh, to deal with. It's hard for me to understand. We can, we can kind of grasp the idea that as an adult, I dealt with God's calling and I took my family to South Africa. And, but now that I have children... Am I willing for God to call them to go somewhere? Even South Africa is—we call it um, Africa Light because it's it's the most modern country in Africa. Uh, it has—we have two McDonald's in our town. I shouldn't tell you that. Um, uh, but but the rest of Africa isn't far away. Um, am I willing for what, what if God calls my? children to go to some difficult places and the protection is you know it's risky you're going to be hearing and sometimes not hearing more about southern baptist missionaries in the years to come losing their lives for the gospel because we're pushing against the unengaged unreached people groups that's who we're targeting Why are they unreached? Why are they unengaged? They're either hard to get to or the countries are closed and in fact uh, aggressively against anything that is Christian. I think we have to clarify sometimes, and I'm chasing a rabbit here, but there are some places where it's not safe for Americans to go. And I think as Southern Baptists, with our missionaries, we need to be aware of of that, and 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 partner with other groups. There are going to be other, you know, the Brazilians, the uh, South Africans. Many people are sending missionaries. It's not just Americans, but Americans are going into hard places. Some are going. Uh, they're ordinary people. They're 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 not trained pastors. They're setting up businesses, uh, really legitimate businesses, and you may not hear about them because to connect them to the International Mission Board, to connect them to Southern Baptists, to connect them risks so many things. But I believe we've already been hearing of, of, of Southern Baptists being killed. We've had doctors and nurses killed in Yemen a few years ago. We've had a family, not a family, two couples, and the, and the, and the wife survived an uh, attack in Iraq a few years ago. Uh, but the three died um, just as they were getting into the country. I know there are numerous numerous others. I tell you this, expect, expect suffering. I think Jesus is saying that in the passage before, and I think he says it in many other places. Expect it. Suffer for doing what's right. Uh, I think in the book of um, Peter... Make plans for it. Quickly, I'm just going to go with the last few verses. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, sandals, leave stuff behind <laughs> one of the things that we've carried with the gospel is materialism materialism is is rampant in South Africa they believe that's what's going to bring them joy and happy they look at america and they see prosperity it's even it's even the best preachers are preaching prosperity they're not preaching take up your cross and follow they're preaching jesus will give if will help you to manipulate God to get what you want. You've got preachers like that here, I know. Leave stuff behind. If you're going to spread the gospel. Greet no one along the road. This was very hard for Africans because it's very rude not to greet people. I think probably in Fisherville you do like we did in, around Nashville growing up. When you pass people and you're driving, you lift that finger and, or tip your head. What is Jesus saying? It's an urgent. This is an urgent matter as you go. Whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. We look for persons of peace. In a sense, Pastor Titus is our person of peace uh, in, the, in the church that Fisherville is partnering with. He is the gatekeeper. And we had some discussion about that last night and we need prayers uh, for Brother uh, Pastor Titus. Uh, that he would know either how to use us or that he would be able to say, um, Fisherville, put your energy in a different place. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. I think this just means spend some time. Discipleship takes time. Maybe in the past we've been a little bit guilty of getting converts or getting, getting people to pray prayers instead of making disciples. Uh, we need to get back to that, making disciples. And it may mean spending some time. Stay in the same place. And this is our missionary motto. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. (laughs) The missionary motto. That doesn't mean it. Never mind. (laughs) Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I think these, these ones who went out were able to receive instruction about what they should say And what they should do. um, From Jesus. And I think it's the same for us. We need to have a a plan about what we're going to say. And what we're going to do. The Holy Spirit has ultimate right to to change that. But I believe Jesus gave them some specific instructions in this. Again I'm not going to go deep. Whatever city you enter. They do not receive you. Go out and its streets and say. The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. I think it's important for the church to realize also that as you go out, success is going where Jesus sends you. Whether people receive you or whether they don't, is, is in His hands. And you're not promised that everywhere you go and every person that you share the gospel with or whether you do the gospel with is going to come to Christ. In fact, some will oppose it very much. Some will often say yes, yes, but not really mean it. They'll say it to your face. Uh, but they won't make a genuine commitment to Christ. There's going to be those who receive and those who don't. Be faithful in your going. Our gospel is one that we proclaim with our mouth and with our words. I believe in our our mission today, um, I'll close with these words. Um, We are to exalt Christ. These are some things I think David Platt kind of put before, before us. Number one, exalt Christ. He is our life. Missions isn't our life. Christ is our life. Mobilize the church. Equip believers. Get to work until the task is complete. Don't lose focus. Don't get distracted. Let me make that uh, my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray.